Welcome to my podcast, Follow Your Bliss, with me, Nicola Fisher. I'll be talking to people who inspire me and asking them about the journeys they've taken navigating change and how this has led them to find fulfilment and purpose. If you're on a quest to create a meaningful life for yourself, I hope these conversations inspire you too. My guest today is Wendy Freeman. Wendy is a virtual event strategist and she decided to set up her own business following her divorce. She had her own what's missing moment and began working with a mindset coach as part of her investment in her self-development. Founder and CEO of Be Bright Events, Wendy, like many business owners this year, has had to evolve rapidly, diversifying into the virtual event sector. We talk about how Wendy has extended her philosophy of creating connections during in-person events to achieving the same for virtual events. Like me, Wendy is a tech fan who shares my love of productivity tools, including ClickUp. We chat about planning and how Wendy organises her events. What I found very inspiring during our conversation was Wendy's drive, her focus on mindset and the breakthroughs she has experienced along the way. I learned a lot from Wendy's own journey of growing her business and how she prioritises her personal development. I hope you enjoy this conversation too. Wendy, you're the founder and CEO of Be Bright Events. Now, I know that you had 15 years working as a professional in a corporate background, and then you decided to make some changes and you decided to work for yourself. I'd really be interested if you could tell us about what was the catalyst that made you change your direction and start Be Bright events. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, I was in a place that I I had done everything that, you know, quote, society tells you to do. You know, I went to college, I bought a house, I got married. That didn't exactly stick. I had a kid. I worked my way up the corporate ladder. I was traveling all the time. Um, and I, I got to a point where it was like, I've done all these things, but why am I still not happy? Right? Like I was happy on the, on the outside and I wasn't miserable, but there was just something missing. Um, and I started working with a mindset coach to really help me kind of get some clarity of like, what's, what's going on. I, I did therapy for years and I, I tried a different route and with much more success. Um, and it was what I found out in, in the process was that I was lacking purpose. So my lack of purpose and craving more was really that catalyst. And, and as a result of, of lacking purpose, you know, was able to dive deeper and also realized that it was, it was yes, lacking purpose. It was also lacking community, but more importantly, I got comfortable. I was complacent. I wasn't living up to my full potential. And I am one of those people who is constantly striving for better. And I think that that was the the main reason that I was feeling so unfulfilled was that I knew, I, I didn't realize at the time that I wasn't living up to my full potential, but I fell in that place of, of, of consistency and monotony. 
That's really interesting. I've had um, somebody else on the podcast and we've talked a lot about potential and purpose. So having made those shifts, what do you think is your purpose now? So, you know, I have been planning events for my entire life. I mean, even from early on, you know, birthday parties, youth group things, college things. And that's what I was doing in the corporate space. And it was awesome planning these massive events for a technology company, which is so fun because you have this massive budget and you can create really amazing things. But at the end of the day, the events that I was planning were helping people be better at their job. And while that's good and, you know, who doesn't want to be better at their job, for me, with self-improvement and personal development being such a big point in my, or, you know, big focus of my life. And at the same time, the fact that I made the decision and had this aha clarity moment of what I wanted to do happened at an in-person event. That was when I just like, my purpose is to create the space for other people to have those breakthroughs, to be able to support small business owners and corporate or, you know, smaller organizations, nonprofits, people that their mission message legacy is to make a lasting impact in people's lives. And me being able to support them on the back end with all the logistics that go into that event so that they are truly focused on their attendees and making that impact. That sounds amazing. It must make a huge difference having someone like you who can kind of take away all the stress of the logistics side of organizing an event because it must be massive everything that you've got to think about but just freeing people up and I know you've mentioned um, you want to create purpose-driven events for heart-centered business owners what sort of people do you work with what type of things are they doing with their clients that's a great question so I work with predominantly life coaches fitness coaches nonprofit organizations, educational foundations. So since the onset of COVID, there's been a lot more, you know, expansion to that because everybody has adopted virtual events, but predominantly the work that I do are, you know, those, those individuals and organizations that I just mentioned, anybody who really, they are also living that life of purpose. They are here to serve. So anybody who is, who's really, focused and passionate about serving others. When you do these events, you probably get quite a bit out of the event content as well. I would imagine being a part of that whole community and other people who are on similar wavelengths to you as well. I I do. And that's, that's one of the beautiful things is, you know, I made this decision because I knew that was my purpose in the area that I wanted but I am, I don't just plan events. Like I love attending, like I consider myself an event junkie. So that was kind of that, like, you know, that job perk where not only am I doing what I love and what I'm good at, but I'm getting to consume all of that as well or everything that they're doing. I get to do that as well. And then just the moment when you see people, like a lot of these events, people have breakthroughs, they have these aha moments. So being backstage or in the back of the room or work or, behind a screen, wherever I may be, being able to see those people have that when their eyes just light up and they're open to possibility or they overcame something that has been really holding them back in their life, like that that moment is the most rewarding and fulfilling out of all of it. 
Yeah, that sounds like a really nice job, Perk. I think the same, you know, doing these podcasts, I've spoken to so many different people. And, you know, this this series is very much with people that I hadn't come across before. So you're all new to me as well. And I learned so much from talking to the different guests on the podcast. It's it's almost, it feels like a privilege to be having these conversations. So I can completely understand how it must be for you being kind of behind the scenes and seeing what's going on and learning from that as well. You mentioned a bit earlier about mindset and I'm guessing that's an important factor for you in your journey as an entrepreneur and growing your own business. Absolutely. Um, And it's funny because my entire life, I self-labeled myself as a pessimist. Everything, the glass was always half empty. If there was a situation, I would focus on the negative instead of the positive. And I I met, um, actually, a, a woman that I hired back in corporate was just the most positive, outgoing. Everything was, you know, sunshine. And I was like, I want to be like that. And I think that was really when my journey started. And so I did a lot of webinars and, you know, YouTube videos and TED Talks and things like that. And then it was once I kind of really started going to more of that type of event that I realized, and I was surrounded with entrepreneurs at a lot of those events, because like you said, mindset is a huge piece of living a a happy, fulfilling life, but specifically in, in, in the role of an entrepreneur, there's just so many obstacles and roadblocks that come into place that, you know, if you're not able to reframe that, find the good in it, accept that, you know, progress is perfection, that there, that you have to make mistakes in order to grow, the sooner you fail, like fail quick, fail fast, and you're on the other side of that. So having a mindset coach that helped me, especially through, and I still work with him to this day, it's been over two years But having that person that whenever I go to that negative place is able to, you know, help me to reframe that, ask the questions and help me find the learnings in that. And I think that has been creating the awareness because a lot of times we're just so deep in our in our stuff that we're not even aware what that feeling or what that emotion is. And then being able to find what is the good in that, because in every situation, even in COVID, even with everything that's going on in the world, you can find a silver lining. So being able to find that silver lining and take that one step further, what can you learn from that? That is where I feel we truly as individuals grow. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I think if you can find the silver lining in some of the most difficult situations in your life, I think it just helps you move forward and yeah i'm i'm a big advocate of that i think that's really true so um i know you've made some changes with your business because of the virus and people are doing events remotely what what sort of changes have you had to make and how's that been for you well and that's a that's a perfect question to kind of tie into what what we just spoke about because covid hit I built my entire business on in-person events. Within a matter of three hours, I had five clients send me emails or reach out saying, I want to cancel. I want to postpone. We're not having this event. And all this was in March and all of the events were scheduled before the end of May. So in a matter of hours, I felt like my business was just, 
I was just really starting to gain that traction and that momentum. And I just felt like the rug was just pulled out from under me. And so with that mindset and definite coaching calls for sure, I, you know, quickly took action and moved and transitioned my business temporarily and moving forward really to the virtual space. So the opportunity in that was that number one, I worked for a tech company for 15 years. We did tons of webinars and virtual events. So I had that level of experience. So it was Mm -hmm. a, you know, it made, it was a a fairly easy pivot, except for the fact that I had branded myself as the in-person events uh, business. And so I really had to rebrand myself. And what that pivot looked like was getting uncomfortable. It was facing my fear of, Nobody knows who I am in this space. I know that I have the knowledge and expertise and experience behind me, but nobody else knows that. It's a completely conflicting message to everything that I've been putting out there. And so what I did honestly was I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm just going to do it. The same way that I started my business, like just jump just take the leap. And I got on Facebook and I did Facebook Lives. I did a 12-day Facebook Live series of virtual event success tips. And each day I talked about one different component and it was like as uncomfortable as it was. And I had all of the feelings that entrepreneur, you know, the imposter syndrome, who's going to listen to me. So-and-so else, somebody else says it better. But in doing that, I gained more confidence in myself, which definitely is very helpful as an entrepreneur. But I also like I got ahead of the curve. I took action in the midst midst of all of this going down. So now you see tons of people planning, hosting event planners that have pivoted to virtual events. But I got ahead of it. I did it first. So being that first to market really is what I I think it's just the, the taking bold, massive action and not thinking twice about it. And it was difficult because I'm a planner. I am a planner by heart, by nature. So I act in a very intentional, strategic, proactive place. So I didn't have the opportunity to do that. It was reactive. It was, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do Facebook lives. Then I was like, all right, I'm going to write a blog. Well, that blog turned into, it ended up being too long for a blog and it turned into a completely do it yourself shortcut toolkit for entrepreneurs that I turned into my first virtual product. So it's like all of these things COVID struck my business. I could have just accepted that, you know, I, I can't run my business anymore, but look at all of the blessings that have come out of that. Like now I have hired in the process of hiring additional people to support virtual events. So now when in-person events come back, I now have two lines of business that I can serve. I'm not just limited. And with virtual, you can serve so many more people without the travel and, you know, I mean, there's been days where I've had two virtual events in one day where I would never have that opportunity with in-person events. We've done something similar as well. My husband um, is a wood turner and we were traveling a lot around the UK and we would go all over the place for him to do in-person demonstrations. But now the wood turning community is really embracing what they call interactive remote demonstrations so you know they're all using zoom and obs and all these other bits and pieces and it's it's sort of broadening our horizons because whereas before a lot of the stuff had to be uk based it opens up the possibility of doing these across the whole world and 
um i think technology is so great and i think it's absolutely great for you now as you say you've got two strands to your business you've got the in-person and the remote and um that must be a really good position for you to be in now it's definitely a comforting position to be in. I mean, as much as I am ready for the world to open back up and go back, well, I won't say go back, be whatever the new normal is, I sleep well at night knowing that the, my success is not determined on when the world is going to be in a place where we can have in-person events. I'm not worried about the success of my business, my livelihood, taking care of my, ch my son. So it, it definitely is a a very a much more comfortable space to be in for sure so what have you learned about yourself over the past few months oh man there have been so <laughs> many learnings oh my gosh i mean i think one of the biggest things and and this is something that i've you know i i learned early on is that you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable that's really where the success that's really where the success and growth happen right but I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, well, a couple, a couple things. One, I used to self-identify as a perfectionist. And I learned very quickly that I did not have time to be a perfectionist and get ahead of this. So I adopted, reframed. I now consider myself a recovering perfectionist. And the idea that progress is perfection. Moving the needle forward is a form of perfection. Just because my graphics might not look perfect and there might be some inconsistency in fonts or you know there's an extra comma where there shouldn't be like those things are not that's not what people remember so that was a big learning and also just that on the other side of every breakdown because i'm not gonna lie even with all the mindset coaching there have been many breakdowns over the past couple of months mm -hmm. but that is like the the flashing light that says you're about to have a breakthrough so it's like when I'm in that breakdown phase, it doesn't last long, but also on ev on the other side of every single breakdown, there has been a breakthrough that mm -hmm. has propelled my business into a new direction or into a more successful place. And the one other thing I think is just the importance of persistence and resiliency that even though something might not happen. And I mentioned this kind of earlier, but just the resilience of it, that every time you get knocked down, just get back up and keep going as hard as that may be. And with each time you do that, it gets easier and easier. And when that obstacle is put in, in, you know, in front of you, you realize you can think back to all the other things that you've overcome and the learnings that you learned from that. So that for me is what propels me forward and is helps me to move through my ish that that muddy puddle like i splash around in it for a couple of minutes maybe it's a day whatever it may be i get dirty and then I, I i get up and i and i go after it again you just can't stay in that puddle i think that was that's one of the most important things and i think that right now with what's going on in the world it's very easy to stay in that puddle because you have all of this negativity conflicting information fear just constantly in front of you wherever you look so being able to see it, accept it, but move past it and not let it affect you. That's, I, that's what my coach always says. He's like, you can splash in your puddle, but you've got to get out of it. You can't move into that puddle. <laughs> I think that's really important. And I know a lot of the people who will be listening to this, 
you know, they've experienced those sorts of peaks and troughs in growing a business. And it is, it's very much sometimes, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And, you know, sometimes you think nothing's working and what do you do? Are you going to give up or are you going to carry on? So I think, you know, that is really good advice. Um, you've talked a lot about coaching and self-development. Do you have any what you might call self-development heroes, other people whose books you read or um, webinars that you found particularly helpful? Definitely, definitely. And there's been, there have been so many over the course of the course of my life. You know, my inspiration comes from Richard Branson and Sarah Blakely. Those are kind of the two that I was just like, wow, these are amazing people. So that's where it all really started. And then, you know, right now I'm, a, I'm reading a lot of uh, Michael Burnoff. He writes, um, he wrote Average Sucks, which is just a great, great mindset book. Um, and, and then there's an organization called Life on Fire. And that was the organization for me that changed everything. I went to one of their four day events called Abundance. And it was at that event where I, I knew that I was lacking purpose. I knew that I needed community. So many people there were like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I was so frustrated because I didn't know. I was like, I know that there's a problem, but I don't know what the solution is to it. And it was at that event where it just, it hit me. It was like, I'm planning the wrong events. I want to be planning events like this. So that one just through all of the mindset work. And that was a lot of, a lot of mindset, a lot of introspective work and really just how to it, it gain the clarity and the certainty. So that is definitely a, an organization that I have been a part of ever, ever since and had a huge impact in my life. And then of course, you know, there's people like Mel Robbins and Tony Robbins and Pete Vargas. Um, those are all people that I follow fairly closely as well. And, and the interesting thing and what I found, I love to read. And what I found is that, you know, so many of the books, so many of the gurus, if that's what you want to call them, they're all saying the same thing. They just have their own unique way of saying it. And a lot of people are like, oh, I've already, I've already heard that before. I've heard that before. And what I've found is when I go through my phases of, you know, I'll get really bogged down in my business and I'll just go to sleep at night instead of reading. When I pick those books back up, even if it's a new author saying the same thing in a different way, it's just that repetition that it's staying top of mind. So you're able to, to live in that space and it takes a lot less effort because you recognize, because you're constantly, it, it's constantly front and center. So you recognize when one of those things is happening or a way that you just need to make a powerful decision or you just need to shift your mindset or whatever it may be, that repetition of the same information. And then you also just don't know who's, messaging is going to resonate with you in a certain way. They tell a personal story and it really relates to your story. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's a, you know, that's, that's something that I tell a lot of people are like, Oh, well, I've read a book like that. And I'm like, we'll read this one also. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. I mean, you've mentioned a few people there that I've not come across, so I shall definitely have a look for those, but I think you're right. It's that resonance and it's having that sort of connection with a story that helps you as well. And, it kind of makes you think, well, I'm in a similar position and that's really good advice for me. So in your life, have you had any life changing events that have made you 
move in completely new directions? Have you had any pivotal moments that have really um, transformed your life in some way? Definitely. I mean, the, the jump from corporate to entrepreneur was definitely a pivotal change. But also, and I, I don't like, you know, bringing this up, but I do think that it was a really pivotal point in my life was when I made the decision to get divorced. You know, we were married for eight years at the time. We had a four-year-old together. We were together over throughout for 13 years. And it wasn't that I was unhappy, but I also wasn't happy. So that was that first moment where I made the decision that complacency wasn't enough. And I truly believe that, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to happen because that's the only way that it can happen. And we're all doing the best we can with the resources that we have. Cause if you could do better, you would. Right. But I think when it came time to make that, to, to make, when I made the decision to make that leap into entrepreneurship as a single mom with no safety net, I was used to having a steady salary, a paycheck and, you know, incurring so much credit card debt, which was a huge obstacle for me because I had a lot of limiting beliefs around money. But had I not done that in my personal life, I never would have had the courage to do that in my professional life. And it was that learning from as difficult as that was in the time at the time. And I definitely lived in a puddle a lot longer than I probably should have. Look at everything that came out on the other side of that, you know, the breakdown to break through. And that if I did that in my personal life where it affected directly the life of my ex-husband and my son, me doing it in business and yes, it's going to affect the business in a sense. They're going to have to, you know, find a replacement and all of that, but their corporations are, they're, they're ready for that. They're capable of doing that. So it was, I made that decision before for me, and this is another time I have to make that decision without as much concern about how it's going to affect others mm. yeah it was interesting you've mentioned money and limiting beliefs and I know that's a big hurdle for a lot of people who set up on their own how have you overcome that did you do anything in particular to help you overcome those limiting beliefs I did I did and it's and that is still ongoing it is still a thing for me um you know, I was raised where credit card debt is bad. Credit card debt is bad. My parents were entrepreneurs. So always hearing them talk about the business and, you know, dad swiping the credit card to propel the business forward, mom being like, we don't, we don't want to put that on the credit card. And so, you know, there was a lot of activities that were, where did those limiting beliefs come from? How was that, you know, something that I adopted early on as a belief. So that was a big part of it. And even talking with my sister, we realized just little situations, you know, going back to school shopping with mom and mom freaking out about when the, you know, when it came time to pay, to swipe the card or whatever it may be. Um, but really it was just a shift of my thinking and that not all credit card debt is bad. Swiping that card to go on a vacation that you can't afford, that's not the best decision. But swiping that credit card to hire a business coach, to join a mastermind, to put the technology in place so that you can successfully run your business, that's an investment in yourself. And that was where, that was where the real shift happened is it's not, yes, it's debt, 
but it's debt that's going to propel me forward. It's an investment in myself. So I look at it as an investment in myself versus mm -hmm. debt. Do I still every month when I'm, you know, paying bills and doing all that, be like, oh man, that, that balance is still what it is. Or yes, I do. But do I still swipe that credit card when the right opportunities present themselves? Because I know that's what I need to get me over that hurdle. Yes. There may have also been a board break activity in there as well. <laughs> You've, you've obviously invested a lot in your own development. Do you think that's really critical for people who are growing their own business? I do. I actually just wrote a chapter for a book coming out, and it's a book about habits for entrepreneurs. And they were like, what is the one habit you would recommend for entrepreneurs? And my one habit was resource up. Because you don't know what you don't know. You are going to keep running your business the way that you think you should run your business. And that's not good or bad. But there are people that have been in the place that you have been previously. There are people that have made mistakes. So the more that you can learn from other people's mistakes, you're still going to make your own, but you can decrease the amount of mistakes that you make if you're learning from others. Mm -hmm. And also with a coach, there's that level of accountability. You know, you might say to yourself, yeah, I'm going to get this, this, and this done by next Thursday. And then you don't do it. Maybe there's a little bit of guilt and whatever. It's a lot harder to look your coach in the eye and say, yeah, you know what? I'm actually out of integrity. I didn't do what I said I was going to do. So there's the accountability piece, which you can get from community. You can get that from friends. But when the coach is saying, this is where you're struggling, this is what you need to do. And then you look them in the eye and say, I didn't do that. Well, then it comes back to, well, I just, then it is debt, right? Because then it's not propelling your business or then it's bad debt, I should say. Um, and it's not what I like about coaches is that it's not just somebody saying you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. They're holding space where I can talk about what's going on in my business and then asking me the questions to get to the root of what that problem is versus saying, well, this is what you need to do. So when you feel like it's something that you that you identified on your own, yes, with prodding questions and you're able to get to the root of it, it's not just like you're cutting the branches off, you're cutting that whole tree down. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to, you're not going to fall back into old habits. You're not going to experience those things again, because you've had that bigger learning in it. Have you always had a coach since you've been working for yourself? Yes, 100%. And the mindset coach is consistent. Like, I don't know that. And sometimes it feels like why, like, I don't need this right now. But the fact of having that person all the time when I do need it is great. The content that's always put out is, again, stays top of mind. But I've also, in addition to that, depending on where I am in my business, I've hired different types of coaches. So I hired, I just finished up a six-month cohort with a sales coach helping me to increase my sales game. I've had an event planner coach. Like very early on, I had a coach that has built a successful seven figure event business. And so I learned from her coaching from her more about back end systems and how to implement scalable processes, which again, goes back to, you don't know what you don't know, which is why I think that's so important. And now I have a business strategist who is helping me to get my business in the place that I'm ready to bring on additional help right now. It's been very you know, it's been very, especially in the midst of, of COVID, it's been very reactive. I didn't have the opportunity to put standard operating procedures in place. So even though I'm ready 
to hire a junior event person and a couple of VAs, I'm not, my business isn't at the place where I can say, okay, here's the process. I need you to do that. So the time, it wouldn't be a good investment of my time. So depending on where I am in my business, I'm always looking at what is that next coach. And aside from the mindset and then the ones that I just mentioned, there have been other times where I've joined multiple programs. I've had more than two at a time. And I don't recommend that because you're focused, like you have to, you know, narrow it down and focus on what do I need right now? Let's Mm -hmm. overcome that. What's the next step? Because otherwise you're just spreading yourself too thin. You don't have time to actually run your business when you're in coaching and courses all of the time. And you're not putting 100% into anything. So you're not going to get the full value that they have to offer. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I mean, I've been guilty of that sometimes. You know, something comes along and you think, oh, that sounds really useful. I'll do that. And then something else comes along at the same time. And, you know, you just end up not not enough time to really give it as much of your attention as you need to. So, yeah, I can completely understand it's that. that shiny object syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you think, oh, this is going to be so helpful and it's it's really going to make a difference to me. Um, but then it doesn't really because you haven't got enough time to be able to enable it to make that difference for you. So, yeah, I can really understand that. I think it's great that you've had so much coaching and you've been really focused with it as well. Um, I think that's a really good approach. You mentioned earlier on about you're a massive planner. I'd really love to hear about, you know, what's, how do you plan and what's your process and what tools do you use to help you plan? Well, that's, that's, it's funny because I'm, I'm a technology nerd. So (laughs) when it comes to, when it comes to tools, shiny object syndrome is a big thing, you know, (laughs) like, this is awesome. I'm going to do this. I spent all the time setting it all up. And then I'm like, oh, this isn't working for me. So that's an evolution. And that's something that my business or my um, business strategist is helping me to create the perfect technology strategy. But my just general strategy when it comes to planning is you have to have a strategy. Success starts with strategy. And I reverse engineer everything. So I approach planning, whether it's for myself, whether it's for my clients, from the top and the bottom first. The top is what are those key goals? What is the true reasoning for do? So I guess I'd say, what is the true reasoning for doing this? What is your why? And then what are the high level goals of what you want to accomplish with this? Then, and how are you going to accomplish them? And sometimes the how doesn't, it doesn't show up all at once. Mm-hmm. So then in the event space, I, so I start at the top. I know my big overarching bubble and then I reverse engineer it. So for an event, I will go, I will, I make an entire spreadsheet or I've used Asana, I've used Airtable, I've used Trello. And a lot of times it'll depend on what my client's project management system is because I want to be able to keep them in a place that they're super comfortable. Um, But I, I, I map it out from the very bottom of two weeks after the event, reverse engineering all the way to the, the day that I'm creating this list. And I start with very high level goals. You know, there's a marketing goal, there's a a messaging goal or not even goals. I'll just say buckets. There's no, I guess they're goals. You know, there's, there's the messaging, there's the speakers, there's the sponsors, there's your email. I'll just say marketing as a whole. 
there's the technology or the stage set, whatever it may be. So I kind of outline where those are, break those into extremely granular uh, micro micro tasks. And then from there, it's kind of outlined and you, and then you're able to just with my experience, I'm able to move the pieces around. Like I know that messaging has to start here. Your email launch plan has to start here. And, you know, three weeks later, we're going to push this out and so on and so forth. And that, that part just comes with experience and, and working with so many clients and knowing for different types of events, what works, what doesn't work. When does that speaker outreach need to be? You know, when do you need to start that? Once you secure speakers, what does their experience look like? What is the timeline that you run them through? So it really, and especially in event planning, it really just comes down to having that granular level of, of an action plan because there are so many moving pieces. And I know for a lot of my clients, they'll, they'll sit there and they will get so bogged down with the messaging and what is this going to look like and what's that going to look like. And then before you know it, they're like, Oh, I, I should have had speakers by now, you know? So having it in a clear Mm. plan, you know, every day, every week, what you're working on and how, what you're working on influences the things that are are further down on that list so have you always been a good planner yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean i even remember in school making i am a list person in every aspect of my life i mean even in text messages i'm like all right one two three um but even in school i remember planning it in not to that degree but even down to the way that I had my notebooks organized and my binders and the dividers and all of that, just for me, organization and planning gives me a sense of security. It quiets my brain. Otherwise I feel like my brain just doesn't stop. And then I don't have time to have that clarity and that focus. Mm. Yeah. I'm absolutely with you on that. I mean, I, (laughs) I use all sorts. I have notebooks so you can see this one. Let me just see, you know, it's all, Um, labeled and labeled up and um i've used trello asana um i'm using something called ClickUp now i just discovered ClickUp. i just discovered it and i honestly think that i might have found the one i think i might stop looking (laughs) yeah oh i think so i mean it's it's so comprehensive um i've been using it oh i don't know couple of months and I'm just finding that it's I can just look at it and know what I've got to do every day and it's got lots of underlying functions that have really helped as well like you I'm a I'm a tech geek I love my tech and And it's so easy to get distracted by it I mean I think I spent maybe four hours a couple of weeks ago just playing around with ClickUp and figuring out, well, do I want this to be a project? Do I want this to be a task? Is this going to be a micro task? What do I want to do with it? Yeah. But at the same time, like now it's, and I'm still, I'm still figuring it out because it is so robust and it can do so much, but it's very intuitive. And I don't know. It's funny that you said that because I had never heard of it. And I honestly, Mm -hmm. it was, it was about two weeks ago that somebody else mentioned that I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I mean, productivity was lost that day. I spent the entire day in ClickUp, but yeah. <laughs> it was a good thing. It was, well, it was one that I'd not come across. Um, and I, I'm not sure how I found it. I think I was just searching for something like similar to Trello or, um, you know, similar to something or other, and it came up. But yeah, it was a 
was a massively good find. It really was. Um, what what sort of things do you want to do next? What's what's next for you in terms of your business and where you'd like to go? I want to go back to in-person events. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Um, but as far as my business, you know, I I've I've found throughout this, and it really started with doing those Facebook lives that I enjoy teaching others what I'm doing and my process and my strategy. And especially in the virtual space, so many event planners were just used to doing the in-person events and planning a virtual event. 80% of it is the same. You have your strategy, you have, you know, you have all, everything that an event planner would have at their, you know, in their toolbox, but there's 20% of that that comes down to technology and touch. And that's what we talked about earlier, really creating experiences and connection and what are the favorite components of an in-person event and what's a creative way that we can can have that transition from you know behind a screen so just launched a membership program where we are teaching speakers entrepreneurs other event planners how to do that what are the tools what are the tricks what are the strategies what have we seen that works what have we haven't so that's a really exciting Thing that I never thought I would ever be doing. Um, so really growing my membership and it's a different way to serve people, which in turn fulfills me and gives me a sense of purpose. Um, and then just, just, you know, when the, within the next three months, I'll be finished with my business strategist and knowing that I have a plan to, I don't, I have zero intentions of turning my business into some huge corporation, mm -hmm. but being able to serve more clients and being able to bring on other people with the same mindset, with that service mentality, but also with the the skill and expertise to be able to, so that I can serve more clients, so that I selfishly am able to focus more on the strategy and the creating the connection and that relationship, but then I'm able to pass the work on to, I need you to go set up that timeline, that you know project management system, just a lot of the the back end logistical things that go into planning an event and allow me to be more front and center of really conceptualizing the event and putting that strategy in place to make sure that my clients are getting the out, that their attendees are getting the outcome that the client attend, intended for. Mm -hmm. So is your membership program available on your website? Can people access it or is it just, is it a, a specific group of people that are doing that? No, it is. It's available on my website. I actually have two websites. My main company, which is Be Bright Events, and the website is BE, like the the, the word BE, not the kind that buzzes. <laughs> um, so BeBrightEventsCO.com is my main event website. But then also there is TheVirtualEventExperts.com. And that one is everything virtual. That's where you can buy the toolkit. That's where you can join the membership. You can join, uh, we do one-on-one -on -one consulting. And that one I partnered with two other event planners so that we really can bring a full, you know, we each have our, our different areas of expertise. So we're able to give that holistic education to mm -hmm. our members. Yeah. Well, that sounds really good. I'll put all the links in the um, show notes. So I'll add all that in for you afterwards. Thank you. Um, you said something about, and I read it as well, I think, um, it, well, I might have heard it in one of the podcasts I listened to, 
but you talked about creating connections and doing that in virtual events. And I thought that was really interesting that, um, you know, you can have these uh, chat rooms and people can attend a virtual event, but also have a connection with the other people who are there. And that must be quite hard to achieve. You know, it's 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 really not as difficult as you would think. It, I mean, at the beginning, again, it comes down to strategy and really making intentional decisions. What kind of connections are these the the informal ones that happen when you're at a at an in-person event and the person standing behind you to get coffee and you just start chatting? Or are these conversations where you can really create business opportunities and connections and so what I found works, what I do with all of my clients is we start a Facebook or LinkedIn community or Slack channel, whatever, wherever their attendees would hang out. We do that weeks before their event. So people are already engaging. They're already connecting in a very comfortable way. Everybody is comfortable with Facebook mess or not messenger, you know, with posting on people's stories and things like that. So that has been, you know, a very intentional decision that sets the stage for this is going to be a different type of an event. And then once you get into the event, a lot of it is, is setting those in these communities. We always do a um, kind of a know before you go. This is what it's going to be like, how you show up, camera tips, audio tips, things like that. So again, setting the stage a little bit different. People are showing up without the expectation that they're just going to sit back in their office on their couch and just watch a bunch of speakers, that this is going to be engaging. This is going to be connective. And then using what, what a, I'll, I'll talk zoom. Cause that's probably the most common using the breakout room functionality. Mm -hmm. So a speaker talks about something, put people into smaller groups and let them talk about it, especially for the you know, the events that I'm planning, they're talking about actionable steps you can take to overcome a challenge, to better your life. So ask these intentional questions, send people into smaller groups where they're going to discuss it. And then you bring them back to the main room and you invite those, those people to share just like you would at an in-person event, except you're getting in an in-person event. You don't have that small group typically. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, Sometimes it's difficult getting people to raise their hand to share, but once they've done it in a small group, you know, four or five people, there's ahas that come out of it. And mm -hmm. a lot of the events that I do, if, if it makes sense, we will kick off the event, you know, we'll do our welcome and intro and, and all of that, but we will start off with what we call a scavenger hunt. So after you've introduced your program, you know, we, we kind of go into, you know, we told you this was going to be different. We told you this was going to be engaging. So we're going to do a quick activity. It's not going to take any longer than five minutes. Whatever room of the house that you're in, find something that makes you happy. Find something you've been meaning to get rid of. Find something that you're proud of or whatever, whatever your three things are. A lot of times, depending on your event, you can make it tie into the topic of your event going to give you guys 30 seconds. Don't overthink it. Grab three things, come back to your computer. So that's accomplishing a couple of different things. One, you're having your audience change their state. They're getting up, they're moving around. Ideally, you're playing some music in the background while they're grabbing their stuff. They come back, they're in a small group. Very easy for people to talk and open up about what makes them happy. I would say more than half of the time, at least half of the people have a photo of their child. So right there, instant connection, instant rapport. What you've been meaning to get rid of, something you're proud of. It's allowing people to talk about themselves 
which they like to do, but you're setting the stage with very easy questions. You're not asking them to get vulnerable. You're not asking them to share this pivotal life moment. But in five minutes, just that experience, people are engaged, they're ready to share, and they're showing up to the event in a far different way. And actually, when I mentioned vir the virtual event experts earlier, one of my partners on that, I actually met in a breakout room at another virtual event. So that just shows the possibility of the level of connection that you can make with a complete stranger behind the screen. <laughs> what has surprised you about running your own business? Oh man, everything, <laughs> <laughs> everything. Um, what has surprised me? That's a great question. I, oh man, that's a really good question. You know, a lot of it is all of just the back end things that when you are just an employee somewhere that you take for granted. What is it like keeping up with books? What is it, you know, the book, all the back end systems that you just take for granted. You go into a, you're an employee, they say, this is how you're going to do it. This is what you're going to do. This is your job. Surprises me how much I can plan my day and it get completely thrown out the window. No matter what happens, there is always something unexpected that will come across, you know, come across that sometimes you have to just respond to. And so finding a way to refocus, get back focused. And I think something else that surprised me was, I don't want to say how much I enjoy it because I knew that I would enjoy it. But the fact that I'm having to pull myself away. I'm having to notice and say, okay, it, it's two o'clock in the morning. You got to go to sleep. <laughs> How fast the days and the weeks go by. I mean, it's just like, you know, I remember in, in the, when I was, when I was in corporate, I used to always say, this doesn't make sense. We work five days and we only have two days off. Why can't it be four days and three days? And now a lot of times I'll work seven days straight and not even think twice about it. So that's been a huge surprise. And I think that that's just a testament to when you find when there's a reason and a purpose behind what you're doing and you enjoy what you're doing. Yes, it's work, but it doesn't feel like work. It's, it's satisfying. It's enjoyment. It's fulfilling. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is still work. It is a lot of work, but just the, the way that I look at that work is such a different way. And that's, that's been a huge surprise. Mm. Yeah. I think if you love what you're doing, you, you kind of do want to keep going with it, but by the same token, um, what do you do to make sure that you're taking good care of yourself as well? Well, I notice very quickly when I'm not, it's very easy when you find yourself for me, I'll be sitting in front of the computer thinking I'm being productive, but all I'm doing is productively procrastinating. So it's one, having that awareness and recognizing when that happens. For me, what I do, I spend, I am an outdoors person. I love to be outside, preferably on the water somewhere. So it's really, and, and it took a lot of overcoming that guilt of I should be working. I should be doing this. I have such a list of things that need to get done, but giving myself the permission to take that time for myself. So I go to the gym, I eat healthy. I early on, I would just munch throughout the day. I wouldn't cook recently. I've pulled myself away and I've made myself start cooking again because I know I love cooking. I enjoy cooking. It gives me, it's something productive. You got to do it. 
you create something, it's delicious, but it's also just that taking that time back, you know, using that time versus I'm just going to run downstairs and, and grab something quick out of the fridge and just eating fruit throughout the day and not actually having a meal. Um, so I, I kind of rambled on that one, but, and, and then also just getting in bed at night and reading. There were so many times that I would just walk away from the computer, get ready for bed, go to sleep, wake up, repeat. Mm-hmm. But taking that time to do something, even if it is just watching an hour of mindless TV, which there was a long time I didn't watch anything, but sometimes it was like, you know what? I just need to turn my brain off, think about something else or not think about anything really. And just, just really taking the time to check out whatever that may be. And it changes all the time. You know, it's, it's whatever I need in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't take as good of good care of myself as I should. I should give myself more permission, but that I think a lot of that's the, the entrepreneurial spirit, the type A mentality, having the lists that I have, wanting to cross more things out. And it's like, yes, I could take 30 minutes and go for a walk, or I could take 30 minutes and cross this thing out. So a lot of it has just been that self-discipline to to know when you have to walk away and actually do it. Yeah, it, it is a challenge. And um, it's certainly something that I have to be really mindful about uh, to make sure that you know, I'm doing the things that are good for me rather than just sitting in front of this screen day after day and uh, not doing much else. Um, what makes you really happy? What makes me happy? Um, success makes me happy. Progress makes me happy. Sunshine. Sunshine, water, the beach all make me happy. My son obviously makes me happy. And watching other people overcome their challenges, watching other people, experiencing other people's success, Mm. knowing that there are, that other people are, when I'm able to see, identify other people taking the same steps that I took or different steps to truly, you know, follow their bliss, to find that happiness, Mm. to, to take the steps that they are on a journey. I guess that would be the short answer of mm-hmm. seeing other people on their journey, knowing that I really believe that, you know, in the in the past five, 10 years, personal growth has become a huge thing for so many people. And thinking about, you know, the next generation, two generations from now, three generations from now, from now, what a different type of world it will be when more people adopt that positive mindset, where more people are able to find the blessings in negativity. And just that makes, that makes me happy. Yeah. And what would you like your legacy to be? How would you like to be remembered? I just want to be remembered. And people ask me this all the time and I feel like it, it changes. I know that that's not ideal and everybody should have their, their one thing for me the the amount of lives that I was able to indirectly impact by hosting these or not hosting by planning these events and creating the space for change. And then also just my determination, my motive, like me as an individual, just the way that I showed up, my authenticity, my integrity, and the, the do what it takes attitude would be just on a more personal level, how I want to be remembered. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you know, every time I do these podcasts, I say pretty much the same thing. You know, it's just so incredible talking to people and it's been wonderful talking to you and having this conversation with you. And I can't thank you enough for being part of this series of my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, a great conversation and I, I love being able to share kind of my journey, my experience and hope that, you know, your listeners were able to take one nugget through there or, you know, one golden nugget in the things that I said, because at the end of the day, it is about, you know, anybody can do it. When I tell you I was the most negative person, I walked around saying I hate people. And I've completely changed that to now I'm, I'm, I'm living in a space where I want to serve people. I want to help people. And so I, it's, I, I just want to, you know, encourage everybody that it's, it's about making that powerful decision for yourself, but you can do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I know without a doubt that people who listen to this will find what you've talked about really helpful because so many people are on this similar journey, this entrepreneurial journey and um you know the things that you said are going to be so helpful to them thank you so much thank you